Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good evening and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. The May 3rd primary is quickly approaching and uh, many voters are still undecided in the U.S. Senate race as it's coming down to the wire. But there is also congressional districts that are up for election. And we're going to focus on the 13th congressional district tonight. We have a guest with us who is running in that district. But before we do, we want to point out some important uh, information on our website that will be helpful to you as the Ohio Christian Alliance has surveyed upwards of 386 candidates running from U.S. Senate Congress, the uh, governor, the statewides, and the Ohio legislative offices. All that information is on our website at ohioca.org. We have a voter guide for the Senate race, the governor's race, and for the 7th and 13th congressional races are also on the website. Also, another helpful tool called What's on My Ballot. Basically, if you click on that link, it will take you to your county. Click on your county. And then it will take you to your Board of Elections, enter your name, and your sample ballot will come up. And so it's helpful in that way that it doesn't have to be a pop quiz when you get into the booth on May 3rd. You can actually review what will be on your ballot on May 3rd with that sample ballot. Again, all that information is on our website at ohioca.org. Well, with us on the phone is uh, no stranger to the airwaves here uh, and also to the Ohio Christian Alliance, as we've worked with her over the years on the Heartbeat Bill, and she was the champion for the Heartbeat Bill here in Ohio and in other states across the country. And uh, with us is Janet Folger-Porter, and she is running for the 13th Congressional District, and that is, again, going to be on your May 3rd ballot. Janet, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Chris. So glad to be here. Well, you know, uh, you jumped in the race here. Uh, again, this has been a, bit, a little interesting because you filed for the 13th, which at the time included Medina County and I think portions of Lorain County and further south. But then when the final third version of the maps were uh, finalized, the 13th became Summit County and the portions of Northwest Stark County. And so that's the district that you're running in. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So uh, tell us a little bit of how the campaign's going right now. Well, it's uh, it's going well. It's going very well. It's just working to get the information out, and I think that, that that what I need to do is 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 communicate what sets me apart. What's the distinctive? Why would people want to hire me to represent? And the a, a gist of it, I think it's it, it all comes down to actions and results. You know what? words mean nothing. They are nothing more than slogans, and that's what most uh, most people have in these elections. They've got three slogans and a name, and then they say, vote for me, because we all say the same thing. Well, what 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 I've learned in this battle, and certainly as we as we launched the heartbeat battle uh, 12 years ago here in this state, um, now we have, as you know, 14 heartbeat laws and counting. I, I had the privilege of recruiting the sponsor of the Texas heartbeat law, helped to draft that bill that now saves 40,000 children a year. That's the most significant pro-life victory in 50 years, uh, and it's now spreading. Uh, it's passed in Idaho. We've got a version of it from conception with a civil penalty in the state of Oklahoma. We are drafting one even now this week uh, to, uh, to to tweak the Ohio heartbeat law. Tom Brinkman will be introducing a Texas-style heartbeat bill, but I'm running for Congress to fight for liberty as hard as I fought for life. And the distinctive that I believe I bring to the race are the actions and the results. You know, as you know, um, I was involved in, 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 in putting and in helping to put a lot of these pro-life laws on the books. Parental consent, that was the last one that I, I, I worked to pass at Ohio Right to Life, the Women's Right to Know law, Ohio's fetal homicide law. In fact, we even, we even passed the, the, the state's first discharge petition in order to pass the nation's first ban on partial birth abortion. But at the end of the day, we see uh, that it didn't get us as far as we needed to go, as Dr. Wilkie once said. It didn't take us to the finish line. We, you know, we have a, a million babies that are killed legally every year in this country, and you can call the movement a lot of things, but success with a body count like that is not one of the words you can use to describe it. So 12 years ago, uh, uh, my husband suggested that I just outlaw abortion while I'm here in Ohio, and I, uh, I, uh, I, I kind of thought that maybe was a little bit too big of a, of a goal. 
And yet, uh, two weeks later, God put the idea in my heart to keep hearts beating, to pass a heartbeat bill. And as you know, we introduced it back in uh, in February of 2011. Um, but but here's here's the deal. They said it was impossible. All right, you know, we went up against the establishment for nearly a decade. Uh, we went up against the rhinos in the Ohio Senate. We ran candidates against them. As you know, I ran against the Senate president. Why? Not because I wanted to run against the Senate president, but because he was blocking the most protective pro-life bill to ever pass our House of Representatives. And so we we made them pay. The rhinos had to uh, to 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 shell it out. They spent, I'm told, over a million dollars slandering me on every station with all the hit pieces that came with it. It wasn't fun, uh, but it was worth it because we ended abortion, something they said that couldn't be done. And so what I want to do is take that same kind of strategy, that same kind of, of doing what they say can't be done. You know, we, said, we saw that back in 2006 when the military policy said, we're going to take, you know, you, you, you military chaplains, you can pray all you'd like, just don't pray in Jesus' name. And that's one of the things I really respect about you, Chris, is you took on that, that World War II memorial. You know what? We need to acknowledge God. And you know what? If you don't pray to Jesus, then we don't have access for our prayers to be heard. And so I, uh, I had a radio show at the time, a syndicated program, and, and we, uh, we pounded it every single day until Senator Warner stood on the, the floor of the Senate and, and, and caved in and said, we, we are not going to do this. He went to the Armed Service uh, Committee, and military chaplains to this day now have the freedom to pray in Jesus' name. So liberty has always been a strong issue of mine, and, uh, and we've got the results to show it. But I, I, I want to do more than that. And that's why I put together an America First contract, and I did it with the help of the guy who wrote the first contract with America, Newt Gingrich, with Newt Gingrich. It was Senate Majority Leader Tom DeLay who came up with the idea that helped to draft that thing. He helped me out, as did other members of the Freedom Caucus. And, and I think it's time that we not shrink back. It's time that we take back the country. And so some of the things I want to do, in addition to defending life, in addition to defending liberty, um, by the way, one of the things that's that under liberty is the Constitutional Rights Restoration Act, and we need to make sure that no matter what pandemic comes down the pike, that we make sure that we do not lose our First Amendment freedoms to peaceably assemble, to, to, uh, uh, to make sure that we can go to church and, and, and freely exercise our beliefs. By the way, if it, we've also got a personal autonomy act in this contract that says, hey, you know what? If your state requires a vaccination of any kind, to uh, to to uh, have travel or education or for employment uh, or or for uh, for the sale of goods and services. Guess what? We're going to yank your funding because that's the power of the purse in Congress. And so I guess I've learned some things, especially in the last decade, that make me want to aggressively take our country back instead of look at the watered down versions and all the slogans that everybody says they're for. I think it's time we abolish the Department of Education. You know why? It's unconstitutional. Hey, you hear about all the, the bailouts of the federal government. Hey, how about we, we balance the budget? beginning with defunding the enemies to America and the enemies of Israel, our, our greatest ally in the Middle East. So I could keep talking. I'll, I'll give you room for you to respond, Chris. I'm just grateful for the opportunity uh, to let people know that there's somebody who's willing to, to take back ground instead of just react and respond and defend to a shrinking piece of real estate. We're talking with Janet Folger-Porter. She is a candidate for the 13th Congressional District. She will be on the May 3rd ballot. Also, Janet did fill out the Ohio Christian Alliance Candidate Survey, and that voter guide is on our website. There were four candidates that were running that are running for the 13th Congressional that did fill out the survey, and the results are there. Janet, as we look at what is happening currently on the ground, inflation, inflation, inflation at 8.5%. Ohioans are paying more for gas. They're paying more at the grocery store. They're paying more for everything. And as you uh, get through the district right now, what are you hearing from the voters when it comes to the high cost of everything because of the runaway spending in, in Washington? Well, I, I think and I think this is one of the reasons why there's going to be a red tsunami wave is because everybody who goes to the gas pump has, if, if you voted for Biden, you've definitely got buyer's remorse by now uh, or you're living in denial. Um, and so, so if we if we can balance the budget, beginning by reining in an out of control Congress and providing tax cuts that are necessary for families, for farmers, for businesses, uh, I, I just believe that that what we need to do is is say, you know what, our government, this behemoth, is far too large. I mean, we are spending into generations from now with trillions and trillions of dollars that we don't have 
going into bailouts. And by the way, those trillion-dollar bailouts, there's stuff in there that, that has nothing to do with our infrastructure. It has everything to do with their agenda, the green new nightmare, the kinds of policies that, that they are imposing under the, the banner of, of, a, of a bailout. This has got to stop. And, uh, and that's one of the things I want to do is, is to make sure that, that we take a bold stand to take back our country. By the way, it's not just on the fiscal issue. It's also on the education issue. Um, in addition to abolishing the Department of Education, I want to introduce a bill. And as far as I know, nobody's introduced this. It's called the Anti-Indoctrination Act. And it says, hey, you know what? If your school teaches critical race theory, racism of any kind, by, by any name, we're going to take your funding from you. If you're going to teach uh, 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 obscenity, in other words, violate your state obscenity laws, engage in grooming, much like the, the Florida bill that uh, takes it up to age eight or, or third grade, we're going to say, you know what, if you're grooming any child under the age of 18, you're going to lose your state funding having to do with education. In the same way, when we're looking at voter integrity, this is a critical thing. What can we do with the federal government about it? Well, how about the No Federal Funds for Fraud Act? It says, hey, if, you're, if your state won't even require the very basic minimum of a voter ID, a picture ID to vote, you know, the same as you get for any airplane ride or if you borrow a library book, guess what? We're going to take your funds away and put them into states that are going to secure your, your vote with watermarks, sequential paper ballots, those that move toward a voting day instead of voting months. Uh, this is the kind of thing we need to do in addition to, to uh, having a committee to investigate what took place in 2020. You know, there's a lot of people right now, Chris, that are saying, well, you know, there's nothing we can do. Yeah, we know there's voter fraud. We saw the Speaker of the House in Wisconsin say it. There's nothing we can do. Let me ask you something. If, 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 I, if I know that you just bought a brand new car two years ago, and we know that it was stolen, and we've got the security cameras that show us, we've got witnesses that we know who it was, and they're driving around in your, in your car that they stole. And, 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 and here's the question. They say, well, you know what? They've had it for a year and a half, almost two years now. You can't take it. nothing we can do. Would you still be making payments on that car that was stolen? No. And so if we wouldn't let someone steal a car, why would we let someone steal a country? And I think that those are the questions that need to be asked. Uh, and that's what we need to do when we get there. By the way, um, we talked a lot about uh, endorsements and who backs who. Um, not only have I been endorsed by a lot of key leaders like, like Governor Mike Huckabee, and a lot of uh, members of the Freedom Caucus, Michelle Bachman, Louis Gohmert. Um, there's a lot of, of pro-family leaders and the high-values voter vote, but I, high-values voter. But I think, I think you can tell more about a person that who doesn't like them. So, so you've got patriots that love me, and you have Marxists that hate me. Um, it turns out, and I found this out, and the right-wing watch, the left most watched woman in America. So apparently the liberals consider me a threat to uh, a great threat to their godless and Marxist agenda. And uh, they are right. They couldn't be more right on that issue. So, so I just think that, that if they consider me a threat, maybe we ought to look and say, what, what is it that I intend to do? I'll tell you what it's not. It's not get along, get along, you know, go along. I, I, it's not to acquiesce to the rhinos or to sell out our principles for payoffs. And that's, I guess what, what you can tell again by, by what someone has done um, to see what they're going to do. And, and as you know, I've been, I was fighting rhinos for uh, well over a decade, and that's something that um, what I did in Columbus, I'm going to do in Washington. And it wasn't a popular move. A lot of people didn't, didn't like it. Um, but you know what? It got us results. We ended abortion. And if we can end abortion, as we just did for 40,000 children in the state of Texas, we can take our country back. The 13th Congressional District is a new district that was drawn by the Ohio Redistricting Commission, and it's been upheld for this election. It, it encompasses all of Summit County and the northwest portion of Stark County. So it's a brand-new district. To become familiar where the district is, go to the Ohio Christian Alliance and click on the link, uh, Congressional Map, and it will come up, and you'll be able to see both the 13th and the 7th Congressional Districts and all of the new 15 congressional districts. Janet, I want to turn a corner here and talk about the southern border crisis. Over the last year, 2 million illegals is estimated that have poured into the United States. The Biden administration is trafficking these illegal immigrants instead of returning them. They're actually trafficking them to cities across America, including Ohio. Uh, during President Trump's term, of course, he began to construct a fence along the entire U.S. southern border with Mexico, 
Of course, when he did not win re-election, the Biden administration put a complete halt to the reconstruction or the construction of that fence. What is your thoughts about the illegal immigration? And then this follow-up question is, there are those who would like to give amnesty to illegal immigrants in the United States. So a two-part question. One, address the southern border crisis pouring over the southern border. And again, we're seeing more immigrant trains of people that are ready to cross because the weather is conducive for them to make the, the journey. And then also, would you be in favor of amnesty of illegal immigrants that have made it to the United States? Well, the first thing that, that Trump, that President Trump has said that is, is, is exactly spot on. If you don't have a border, you don't have a country. And so I believe we need to go further than some of the legislation that's in Congress right now. I believe we need to finish the wall and name it after President Donald J. Trump. He's the guy that led the charge on this. But I would take the, the Protect America First Act and I would strengthen it. I would use the, uh, the, the federal funds that are right now going to cities that are declaring sanctuary cities. You want to know where I am on amnesty? I think we need to defund every sanctuary city. You know what? This is what we learned in the Texas battle, that, 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 that you got to get at the motivation, which is money. And in, in, in the abortion industry, when we took their money away, when you said if we violate the heartbeat bill in Texas, you violate that heartbeat law, we're going we're gonna to go after you, and a citizen can sue for $10,000 per offense. Well, what, what happens when we dry up the funds of these sanctuary cities? I think we're going to see a turnaround because this is what they live on. They live on federal money, and it needs to stop. So I'm very much against amnesty. Look, if the first, the first move you make coming into our country is breaking the law, that's not the kind of people we want to have. Get in the end of the line, although I am not for a moratorium on legal immigration. I think we need to do some things to, to make that uh, more streamlined, but I do think that we've got to make sure that the people who come here come here legally and that they're those that we invite. It's sort of like, you know, all those people like Nancy Pelosi and those on the left, they've all got big, big walls around their homes. You know, they've all got locks on their doors. And they don't say, well, you know, just because someone came in, you've got squatters' rights, that they, they live in your living room and there's nothing you can do about it. Yes, there is. If they're violating the law, then you, you enforce the law. And that's what we need to do here in America. The Biden administration stopped the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline, which was an agreement with Canada and the United States to bring in uh, oil into the United States for processing down there in the Texas region. That project has been halted. If you're elected to Congress, would you move with other members of Congress to reconstruct the Keystone Pipeline? And what else would you do to help America obtain, again, energy independence? Well, that's one of the things. Uh, you can see it on JanetFolgerPorter.com. It's the America First contract. It's number six of the ten items. It's the Energy Independence Act. Only I would go farther than what that act currently says farther than opening the Keystone Pipeline, I think we need, to, we need to limit the regulations that are being put on U.S. energy producers. We've got to make sure that we've got the freedom to go and get the resources that are Americans. As you know, the president, President Trump, made us energy independent. We have the resources. But you know what else? We need to go beyond that. We need to take out all the Green New Deal nightmare provisions that they, they slipped in under cover of darkness and all these trillion-dollar bailouts. We've got to get rid of those things. You know, you may remember back in the Obama administration, remember that thing called cap and trade? You may remember they were trying to limit our energy use. They were trying to, to put regulations on how we can heat our homes and drive our cars. Well, I was so upset about that that I actually initiated a thing called the Pink Slip Campaign. Uh, and I was a columnist for Romet Daily at the time and suggested that we send pink slips to Congress. But if they dare uh, pass an energy limitation like the Cap-and-Trade Act, uh, that we're going to, to fire them. Because, again, we are their bosses. They work for us. And so we sent, guess how many? Ten million pink slips. So if you laid them flat on the ground, they would go from, from the ground all the way to the top of the Washington Monument three times. We actually used up all the pink paper in America. Probably some environmentalists didn't like that, but we sent a message that was heard, uh, and it was one that was heated on the uh, on the energy restriction of the cap and trade. So, with that kind of of energy, I mean, this, uh, that kind of 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 support, I think that's what people need to understand. The America American people do not want this. We've got to right the ship. And what I've learned in this battle is we can't just go in there and, and be a voice and just be a vote. vote. We've got to band together. And that's one of the things I want to do, Chris. I want to get with those freshmen that are coming in. 
before the hooks from the swamp drag them in with the deals, with the with the payoffs and the perks, and say, you know, sell sell your principles for a committee chairmanship or for a committee assignment. No, no, no. We're going to say these values are not for sale, and we're going to join together, even with our first vote, which I think is the most important vote. Who's going to be the speaker? Who's going to be in leadership that actually decide which of these bills come to the floor for a vote? And that's something nobody's talking about. That's what I want to do. I want to join together just like they did in South Carolina. They did it in Arkansas. They joined and said, listen, if you guys want your budget or any bill to come through this chamber, they said in Arkansas, if they, they went over to the House, the senator said, you bring this bill to a vote or you're not going to, none of your bills are going to see the light of day. If we had that kind of fortitude, that kind of unity, I'm telling you what, we could take our country back, and that's what that's what I intend to do. The first meeting I'm going to ask for after after the primary is one with President Trump, and I'm going to suggest to him, hey, you know, Kevin McCarthy, you know that guy that was going to try and tell you to resign after the uh, the uh, the peaceful protest at uh, January 6th. Guess what? Um, we've got to band together to get a speaker who represents us and not someone who's going to block everything we want to do. And I've experienced that firsthand. I mean, when we had 174 co-sponsors on the federal heartbeat bill, I went personally to Paul Ryan and I asked him for a vote. I explained to him we had more co-sponsors than any other pro-life bill in Congress, that we had the 174 co-sponsors plus the 44 additional votes needed and he wouldn't bring it to the floor. And that's the problem. We've got not only to fight the Marxists on the left, we've got to fight the rhinos on the right, because if we don't, we're going to get watered-down versions of nothing. It's the reason why every time the Republicans hold majority, they all promise us, oh, we're going to defund Planned Parenthood. We'll repeal Obamacare, they tell us. We'll stop the steal. And they never, ever do. And so what I want to do is band together and make sure of it. Uh, and if they don't, and if they don't, we replace them with a unified group of people who are not willing to sell their principles out for payoffs and perks. Janet Folger Porter running for the 13th Congressional District. Thank you for being my guest today. And again, you can learn more about Janet's campaign at JanetFolgerPorter.com. And Janet, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for all you do. I sure appreciate it. Thank you. God bless. And again, we want to draw you to the attention of the Ohio Christian Alliance website, where the voter guide for the 7th and 13th Congressional District is there. Also, for the U.S. Senate race and the governor race here in Ohio, also other helpful information, what's on my ballot. Again, you can click on that link and bring up a sample ballot. Also, we want to tell you about the Ohio Christian Alliance Freedom Banquet coming up on Thursday, May 12th at the Crown Plaza in North Columbus. Our keynote speaker is Rick Santorum. And here on the other side, you're going to hear an interview that I conducted with Rick just recently and hear what he's up to. And he's a former statesman and former senator, statesman and former senator. Rick Santorum will be with us. Also, Attorney General Dave Yost and State Treasurer Robert Sprague, other special guests. We're going to have a great time. So consider making the trip to Columbus on May 12th to be with us for the Ohio Christian Alliance Freedom Banquet. Thanks for listening, and listen on the other side to the interview with Rick Santorum. The Ohio Christian Alliance Freedom Banquet is Thursday, May 12th, at the Crown Plaza Hotel in North Columbus. Featured speaker is former senator and statesman Rick Santorum. Rick will address the need to challenge the Marxist radical left's agenda in Washington and in our culture. They've taken over the media. They've taken over Hollywood. They took over long ago higher education, and they took over our schools. They've taken over corporate America. They took over everything, and there's only two institutions of America left. And what are those two institutions? The church and the family, and they were coming for both. Other special guests include Attorney General Dave Yost, Secretary of State Frank LaRose, and Auditor of State Keith Faber. The reception is 6 p.m. The dinner is 7 p.m. Join us Thursday, May 12th for the Ohio Christian Alliance Freedom Banquet. To register, log on to ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Or phone 330-887-1922. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization and to set free a suffering humanity. 
and the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. The following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good evening and welcome to News in Focus. And uh, of course, we used to say good afternoon, but our primary time now is Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. And we're glad that you've joined us. Uh, And we do have new time slots, and that's 7 p.m. on Tuesdays and 1 p.m. on Thursdays and Saturday afternoons at 4 p.m. right here on 1220 a.m. The Word. Well, we have a great program for you today. We are honored to have uh, former Senator Rick Santorum with us on the program. We're also going to have the former Miss Ohio, Melanie Miller, who is a candidate for the 67th House District, and we'll be talking to her a little later in the program. But I want to give a proper introduction to our good friend, Senator Rick Santorum. Of course, he was served in the U.S. Senate for 12 years. He served in the U.S. House of Representatives for four years. Uh, of course, he was a presidential candidate back in 2012 and came very close from being the nominee that year. As all of us remember, the Santorum surge in right here in Ohio Uh, is where it came up a little short that year, and we wish he was the nominee as he would have taken on Barack Obama that year. Unfortunately, it was Mitt Romney, and we know how that all turned out. Uh, But with that, Rick has been busy all over the years. Of course, he's been a conservative commentator on CNN, uh, and in fact, uh, the lone conservative, actually, and that's a very brave role over there at CNN over the years. Uh, but uh, things have changed. He's now with Newsmax, and actually with Newsmax t- TV, he is the senior advisor and also the senior advisor at Convention of States. Please welcome Senator Rick Santorum. Welcome, Rick. Well, Chris, great to be with you. Thank you for that very long and kind introduction. I appreciate that, and uh, it's great to be talking to my friends in Ohio again. Well, I'll tell you, right now, from what I can see, I saw another uh, national radio host, very happy to have you on the program this week, Eric Metaxas, right here on the Salem yeah. Network. Also, I just heard rousing uh, reports out of the National Religious Broadcasters uh, Convention last week, and you spoke there, and we heard uh, some really rousing reports about that. So uh, we're really glad that you're out there and, and lending your voice of wisdom and advice and counsel uh, politically, and it's very much needed these days, as uh, people are very much concerned about what they see in the political landscape. Your thoughts? Well, it's not just the political landscape, it's the cultural landscape, it's the faith landscape. I mean, this, you know, that's one of my messages that I deliver to the leadership of the National Religious Broadcasters, which is, you know, I appreciate all the great work they're doing, and, and we certainly, you know, want to encourage them to do it, but... Let's just be honest. I mean, things are not going our way. I mean, faith is declining in America, particularly among young people. I mean, most young people in America don't know the Lord, and uh, you know we we see record rates of depression and suicide and drug use and uh, among young people. And uh, you know, you can see what's going on in Washington D.C. and and I guess the message I did, you know in some I said. You know, appreciate your work, but I'm not. I'm not very much for participation trophies. Uh, you know, I, I like to win, and you know, we have the truth. We have we have the word of God, and and we're not we're not doing a very good job with it. And uh, you know, we just have to. And I and I you know I talked about my time at CNN and how you know I was canceled from CNN for standing up for the truth. Uh, didn't apologize for it. You know, I've I've lost elections. I've been fired. I've been uh, you you name it. And, uh, you know, I didn't ask this, but I think I got the point across, which is, you know, how many of you have been fired for standing up and for the truth? How many of you have been canceled? How many of you have, you know, lost a friend or two? Because, 
you took you had the courage to stand up and fight for what the truth is. And um, the answer is the other side will and we won't. And as you see from Ukraine, uh, the side that really wants it, the side that's all in, the side that really is dug in and said, you know, we're not going to lose. I'll take that side, even though we may not have the tools. Uh, they had the passion. And unfortunately, the other side has the passion. And uh, and that's why we continue to see flippage. And until we get that passion back and get that commitment and have the courage to stand for truth and not just accept what everybody else says is true, then um, then we're going to continue to lose. Well, that's right. And, you know, I'm thinking a couple of years ago, you and I spoke, it was actually early in uh, President Trump's first uh, years in office, there was some discussion about doing away with the filibuster in the U.S. Senate. And I remember you coming on this program and and saying, I have to tell you that you're wrong about that. And you gave a great explanation as to why the filibuster was needed. And you said, my years in the Senate has really kept back a lot of the radical left agenda when we had the filibuster. And so you were prophetic. And I want to say that you were right. Uh, there were people clamoring uh, who were Trump supporters. Let's do away. Let's go nuclear option. Let's get away with the filibuster. But right now we can see that the filibuster, as you said, Senator Rick Santorum, you stated it as we need the filibuster. We need that firewall against the radical left. And we can see right now that Joe Machen, Senator from uh, West Virginia and Kirsten Cinema, are actually holding the line and saving the Republic uh, by their no votes of the, against the radical left, or we would really be in a fix. Your thoughts about that? No, thank you for remembering that, but that's absolutely true. In fact, uh, you know, we we have seen uh, the centralization of power and the the impediments that our founding fathers put in place to make sure that the federal government did not become authoritarian, did not become all powerful, did not grab all the uh, all the uh, ability to dictate every aspect of our lives and, and put it in a handful of people in Washington, D.C. They believed in federalism. They believed that the states should be where the primary uh, power should be, not because they thought they would necessarily be better at it, but what they, what they did believe is that if one state went off the deep end, you know what? You can always move. You can go to another state. And by the way, that's exactly what's happening in America today. Uh, federalism is working. People are uh, you know, moving from California, they're moving from New York, they're moving from Connecticut, and they're and they're going to places like Texas and Florida and and other folks, uh, you know, in, in Arizona, where where freedom uh, exists, and and that's that's exactly how it should work here. We we shouldn't have uh, California take control with Nancy Pelosi or New York with Chuck Schumer get to Washington and say we're going to impose New York and California values on Ohio. No, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And uh, and the the idea that's that's one of the reasons, candidly, I got involved with the Convention of States projects because that's what this Convention of States project is all about. It's about restoring federalism. It's about limiting the power of the federal government. And um, right here in Ohio, you're having a debate in your state legislature right now uh, to to give us uh, to give us that that ability uh, to have a convention to propose amendments to limit the power of the federal government. So. It's a it's an exciting time, and it's a time when I think we really need people to engage, and because we have an opportunity uh, to to turn this clock around and get this country back on the right track. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. The Ohio Christian Alliance Freedom Banquet is Thursday, May 12th at the Crown Plaza Hotel in North Columbus. Featured speaker is former Senator and Statesman Rick Santorum. 
Rick will address the need to challenge the Marxist radical left's agenda in Washington and in our culture. They've taken over the media. They've taken over Hollywood. They took over long ago higher education, and they took over our schools. They've taken over corporate America. They took over everything, and there's only two institutions of America left. And what are those two institutions? The church and the family, and they were coming for both. Other special guests include Attorney General Dave Yost, Secretary of State Frank LaRose, and Auditor of State Keith Faber. The reception is 6 p.m. The dinner is 7 p.m. Join us Thursday, May 12th for the Ohio Christian Alliance Freedom Banquet. To register, log on to ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Or phone 330-887-1922. We're talking to Rick Santorum, and uh, currently he is a contributor with Newsmax uh, Television, and also he is a senior advisor at the Convention of States. Uh, Rick is speaking around the country. He just came out of the National Religious Broadcasters Convention where he spoke there, and uh, we're glad that he's with us on News and Focus today. You know, Rick, um, you continue the work, and of course uh, you've you've had an illustrious political career, and people are continuing to look to you for as really a senior advisor, as a statesman at this point. Uh, Your voice is so needed because we have seen such... um, tribal politics over the last number of years on both sides of the aisle. And we've seen, uh, you know, this combativeness that's that's happened. And, of course, the radical left has uh, been the culprit of all this. I mean, communism, socialism, that's their goal, is to basically cause disruption, to, to co- create chaos. We saw it in the Obama years, and it's only accelerated. Uh, when we look at uh, President Biden, I mean, he first of all, he seems, quite honestly, the 25th Amendment comes to mind, not actually mentally uh, fit for office. I mean, there's questions about that. He's starting to slip mentally. You have a vice president who, obviously, she can't even just read the teleprompter and the script. Uh, And when she goes off script, it's it's exposing, and it's actually very embarrassing to our nation and on the national stage. And then you look at the administration, but it's the powers behind the scene uh, who are actually creating these chaoses. So in Ohio, where we have a battleground uh, over the maps in Ohio, and I know North Carolina and Florida is f- facing the same thing, and former State Attorney General, uh, U.S. Attorney General, General, excuse me, Eric Holder, is filing these lawsuits. He's being funded by George Soros, but they're wreaking havoc uh, with our redistricting uh, plan here in Ohio with this, with our maps, and it's still in the courts. Your thoughts on that? No, it's, it, it certainly is happening everywhere. Uh, you know, it's it's funny if 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 there's gerrymandering, if there's redistricting that favors the Democrats, that's okay. It's only it's only redistricting that favors Republicans that is uh, that's racist and 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 you know is is uh, is is trying to violate constitutional norms. I mean, this is just purely politics, and uh, and you know, unfortunately, you know, Pennsylvania just went through this situation where uh, the governor basically stonewalled the redistricting and threw it to the state Supreme Court, which is controlled by Democrats. And of course, they passed the Democrat map. Uh, and, and so we, you know, they, as we did 10 years ago, went to the Supreme Court and said, look, it says in the Constitution that the legislatures are the ones who are supposed to do this, not the courts. Right. And you have to, you have to give deference to the legislature. And, and, and here you have a situation where it's clear, Ohio is probably another situation where, where the, the courts have just stepped in and, uh, and it, to, to a duly elected, a duly elected process to be able to, to draw these maps. And unfortunately, I mean, we can't, and this is the, the reason, the reason I'm, I'm, you know, pushing for a convention of the states, because you can't count on the Supreme Court, even a Supreme Court that's supposedly a conservative court has passed on, 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 on dealing with this issue. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, we, we have to, we have to get, we have to get things solid again in the in the supreme in the um, in the constitution a lot of our constitutional provisions have been corrupted uh by the court they've taken language and 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 twisted it and turned it so you don't even understand what the what the original uh, has nothing to do with the original meeting that was in the constitution now that doesn't happen overnight it took 150 years for them to do it so that's why i think the answer is let's get back let's propose amendments let's put them in the constitution and at least it'll be good for another 100, 150 years before the court messes it up again. 
Well, you know, the state's fighting back. Um, we have seen that with the vaccine mandates, for instance, and uh, with the OSHA order. But, uh, you know, the CMS order with healthcare workers, we saw where the court really divided the baby, where they, they sided with uh, the people when it came to OSHA order from the administration, but with CMS, which is basically, um, you know, the Medicare and Medicaid dollars, um, uh, and so everyone who is receiving those and those hospital workers, they were, they allowed that to stand. And, and so people lost their rights who were healthcare workers for years. And many of them had natural immunity. I mean, that, none of yep. that was taken into account. Um, well, that comes back to, that comes back to elections have consequences. And I know there are people now, Ohio did the right thing. They, they supported president Trump, but you know, a lot of states, a lot of voters in this country were just so upset with the president because of his personal behavior and his mean tweets and uh, his, um, you know, his his demeanor sometimes when he gets out there in the public. And I can understand that. I understand how people can be upset with that and how that offended people. And, and I know a lot of people who were. But I tell you what's more offensive, <laughs> losing your freedom. I tell you what's more offensive, having a weak president who gets us into potentially World War III. Those are the things that are much more offensive and much more harmful to the country than tolerating someone who has, you know, who is an intemperate, who has an intemperate mouth. Uh, and so that's that to me is 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 really what it comes down to. And uh, unfortunately, we're we're stuck for another almost three years with the current president and much damage can be done. And that's why these elections coming up are so important uh, to um, to take back the House and Senate and at least block some of the really horrible things that he's trying to do. Well, that's right. And people lose sight of that goal, I think, sometimes. There were so many people jaded uh, that we talked to on the ground, grassroots, and saying, oh, they're just going to steal the election. Look what they did in 2020. And, of course, we can turn that around, but building a, a wave, a red wave for November, uh, we're all about doing. The, the fact is, though, is that uh, every day that this is forestalled with this battle over the maps, with these lawsuits being uh, filed by Eric Holder and uh, the political left. They are creating distraction and confusion. And when people look at inflation, they look at the gas pump, they look at uh, the fears of the national media with uh, uh, what's happening in Ukraine as uh, Europe is exploding. Uh, this is where people are distracted from their everyday lives. I mean, when we think about uh, what should be happening right now is moving, marching towards the election uh, to get these conservatives into office. They're being distracted by this, and I think it's intentional. Your thoughts? Well, uh, on the issue of election integrity, let me just say this. You know this. Every listener knows this. Evil prospers in the dark. Shadows. I mean, that's, that's the th- that, you know, when, it's when you're not, when, when nobody's looking. Uh, that's when it's a lot easier to get away with things. And that's why I think it's really important that everybody take their civic responsibility that they, they took for granted, which is to get out there on election day and watch. Uh, get out there, in your, in, particularly in polling places where there aren't Republicans, uh, where there are very few Republicans to man polling places, like in Cleveland and you know, in, in Cincinnati and, and in other, other urban areas where there just aren't very many Republicans to watch what's going on at the polls. Uh, make sure that you have that, that you have people at the polling places watching what's going on because if you have eyes on, it's it's much much harder uh, to do any kind of fraudulent things. And again, people won't even try. I know you think, oh, there's all these things going behind the scenes. No, I mean it's 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 not it, it's it's not easy to cheat uh, in a, on a grand scale. It's easy to cheat on a small scale. It's easy for someone who's not supposed to vote to vote. But on a on a grand scale that could have any kind of impact on the election, that's actually very hard to do if people are watching. And, and so the key for us is people need to be watching. And uh, and you know election integrity starts with you. And I always you know you say well you know we don't have time to do that. And my answer to that is well freedom's hard. You know there's no there's, freedom is not the natural state of things. Freedom is not how as you look around the world, freedom and for, freedom is is decreasing in the world. It's not expanding. Why? Because it's hard. It's not the natural state. Authoritarianism is the natural state. What you see growing in, in America, this socialistic, progressive authoritarianism, is the norm in the world. And we need free people to fight for their freedom. We see the cost that the Ukrainians are paying to stand up and fight for freedom. We're asking a lot less to make sure that we have honest and fair elections. And, and uh, the best way to do that is to be involved. 
Absolutely, and we're we're pushing poll working all across the yep. state, and that's I agree with you completely that it's about having witnesses there every step along the way as the ballots are being processed, both Democrat and Republicans equally. I like to uh, equate it to it's two groups of thieves co- counting over the same pot of money, and that's the way that the ballots are, and so you have to have that kind of equity all along the way, and that's how you keep integrity in elections. Rick, I want to turn the corner here in the final minutes of the program to talk about Ukraine. Uh, in your opinion, what should you, the U.S. be doing right now? And also, to follow up, what shouldn't we be doing? Well, the uh, first thing we shouldn't be doing uh, is we shouldn't be telling him what we're not going to do. <laughs> I, that's one of the things that, that has bothered me from the very beginning of this conflict, is that Joe Biden has gone out of his way to, to, to give comfort to Vladimir Putin that certain things are off the table. You know, one of the things that uh, I think kept Russia from any kind of expansionist or China, any kind of expansionist ideas during the Trump administration is Donald Trump never took anything off the table. <laughs> you just never knew what Donald Trump was going to do. And that that uncertainty is so important. You know, uh, it, it's 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 incredible uh, that that we have a president who is so afraid of Vladimir Putin so afraid of Iran and so afraid of our enemies that he's willing to just concede so much to them in order to get in their good graces so they'll be nice to us. Being nice to evil people uh, who, who, who see this as weakness and see this as an opportunity to prey on your weakness is, is damaging to our national security and to our country. So uh, that's the first thing that he shouldn't do, and that is uh, to 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 give comfort to Vladimir Putin that uh, you know that he can do certain things without any consequence. Uh, you know, strategic ambiguity is a good thing when it comes to these kinds of conflicts. So that's number one. What we should be doing is, <laughs> I think everyone's talked about this. I'll just add my voice to it. We should be producing more oil and gas in this country. You know, in in southwestern Ohio in particular, and. And in, in uh, Western Pennsylvania, and it, look, we have the best technologies to get gas and oil out of the ground. We have the cleanest technology, the most environmentally friendly technology, and we're going to places that are the worst polluters on the planet when it comes to oil and gas production. Iran, Venezuela—I mean, Venezuela is the worst. Unbelievable. We're going, we're going to them, so. Those are the things that we should be doing. We should be supplying them with all the weapons that they need, even, I mean, certainly MiGs and, and anti-aircraft mi- missiles. We need to get more robust in, in our ability to, uh, to support the Ukrainian people. I think this war is not going to last as long as some people think, because I think the Ukrainians are going to hang tough and if we, as long as we continue to give them the resources to do so. The no-fly zone request. Many believe that that will accelerate um, the um, unfolding of this conflict and in, in bringing in the NATO powers. How can a no-fly zone request be uh, responded to without tipping the scale to where uh, things get out of hand? Yeah, I, I don't think we can do a no-fly zone in, in, in the sense of how our military looks at that. A no-fly zone requires us to take out basically air superiority, to take out all of the threats, which is all of the anti-aircraft missiles have to be destroyed. All those batteries have to be destroyed. Well, a lot of those batteries are in Russia and Belarus. So, you know, we're not going to go in and, t- and, and take out Russian and Belarus uh, anti-aircraft. That means we're not going to have uh, real protection, if you will, from uh, from, from those uh from those missiles. Uh, so we can't really accomplish a no-fly zone without hitting assets outside of the country or hitting Russian assets in the country. Either way, we're attacking Russia. And so that's, that's, not, gonna, that's not something that uh, I think anybody in America or very few people in America see as, see as a viable option. There are other options available to us. I mean, there's, there's humanitarian airlifts, sort of like the Berlin airlift. Uh, if if uh, a country, a non-aligned country, say an African country, we're willing to work with the UN, and the UN sponsored humanitarian airlifts into Mariupol, for example, down on the on the on the uh, 
on the sea, on the Caspian Sea down there. I mean, those would be would be would be a uh, a, a place an, an opportunity for us to get a humanitarian aid in. Uh, you know, could the Russians shoot down a humanitarian airlift plane? Yes, I guess they could, but I I sincerely doubt they would. Uh, and 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 again, would add to their list of humanitarian uh, war crimes. Uh, but I think it should be tried, and that's one option. The other option is potentially again getting non-aligned countries, uh, the UN in particular, to create a safe zone in Western uh, Kiev. Excuse me, Western Ukraine, outside of Lviv, for example. So those are those are options, not NATO kinds of things. But again, being creative. Uh, being forward-leaning, not reactive to what Putin dictates, but we start dictating things. We start pushing things and 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 challenging his uh, his you know horrific war machine. Well, we are having our people pray for Ukraine. Uh, lots of missionaries and Christian churches are sending aid yeah. right now. Samaritan's Purse is on the ground. Also, uh, a lot of uh, humanitarian aid is pouring into the country. We're going to continue to pray and pray for our administration. Uh, you know, this is it's so desperate right now. And, and, and Rick, thank you for what you're doing and uh, being an advisor to so many and actually being a voice of reason right now. And it's so needed. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Chris. God bless. God bless you. Again, that was uh, Senator Rick Santorum and... Um, We're glad that you were able to join us today. In fact, if you've missed any of this interview, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.